0: Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Daniel Johansson,
1: and I'm Maureen Smith.
0: And we're testing the audio on my iPhone as a way to record a podcast episode. I have no idea if this is going to work, but we're going to do a quick twenty-minute episode just to uh, check in with you all. We're in the car, up on our way to Door County. How are you, Maureen? I'm pretty
1: good. Um, I um, we stopped because I had to pee, and so now I'm trying to get back on the highway. Um, I'm gonna focus on that for a little bit, so I'm gonna let Daniel talk. But I'm I'm good. I'm excited. Cool for Door County.
0: Yeah. So the first thing I really want to talk about is um, something that happened recently. I got into a couple Facebook fights before we left Chicago.
1: Oh, sure. Sh- <laughs> Charming that we're talking about your Facebook fights.
0: Well, yeah. I think it'll be a little fun thing. Well, I think the I think they're really interesting fodder for conversation. So the first thing that happened was I'm a part of a Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition Facebook group. Um, and I know, like, some of you heard that and are like, "This sounds terrible," and like, "Sorry," um, but so basically, what happened was um, someone posted this uh, trans woman posted in the group, being like, um, "I'm very interested in trans characters being represented in D and D sessions," uh, which, like, fair. So one and one of the things that she posted about was about basically the idea that if if let's say on average and this is a pretty conservative average that she gave like one in one hundred folks are trans that if you're running a game like one in one hundred of your people in your game should be trans or like should be like at least like there should be more queer representation just generally. Um, and I mean I think think that that is a very interesting kind of like platform for discussion but then what it ended up happening is just like fucking 400 people commented on this thing and just like you can imagine 90% of the folks that, that commented on it were like white straight cis men um and just kind of like calling trans folks it and like like just shitty stuff like that Um, So I think one of the things that I thought just I think is really important to kind of touch on is just the idea of, and this is like a super nerdy like conversation to start with, but I think it's just the idea of general, like it's an improv thought as well, like it's a like... It's just, like, a gaming thought, period. is like, these things, like, if we're talking about... We're talking about D&D. You're talking about the sessions you're playing. Or if, even if you're talking about, like... Let's say if you're talking about representation in an opera. Or representation in a play. Or, like, representation in art. Like, all of these things, whether they're fantasy, whether they're, like, based on reality... Like, they're all partially based on reality. And so, the, th- the fact is, that like... If you want to be expanding what those things are doing and what those things are standing for, like, you have, like, applying that reality will only make for a richer and more full game.
1: Well, and my thought on this is that... (laughs) It's so weird to have just, like, a phone in my face while I'm driving. My thought on this is that I think we're starting to see a lot more representation in the type of media that D&D comes from, like we we talked a couple months ago about like steven universe and i think that the same type of person who would watch steven universe as an adult would be the type of person to also play D &D. and so i think that we're starting to see kind of a shift in um the kind of representation that we're seeing in fantasy you know fantasy content let's say um And I think that what needs to happen is that, you know, trans folks, queer folks, they, I think that there just needs to be, you know, more discussion of those kind of folks in these communities, within these communities, which is why I think it's so fantastic that this trans woman, you know, started that discussion. Um, It's so important to be having these kinds of conversations just because it's something, you know, as a white, cis, straight woman I unfortunately had not considered.
0: Yeah, and honestly, like, it takes... It took so much courage for her to post in that and then it's... The thing that I always have a hard time with with these kinds of conversations is like... You have people that are just, like, putting themselves out there and, like, putting their identity out for people to kind of talk about and, and you know, trying to have, like, a constructive conversation. And then people are just shitting on them and just... Ter- and, and so I guess my thing well, is, like... And,
1: and turning it into a joke, because one of the things that you ran into... Oh, my goodness, sir. Um, one of the things that um, you ran into was this guy who... His first comment was, I hate to be one of these guys, but blah, blah, blah. And then you were interacting with him and discussing, like, oh, well, you know...
0: Basically, I made the point that we were making before, um, and I I also... Sometimes when I get into a Facebook thing, I kind of punch at the people that I'm talking to. And which the is, one the thing... Which is charming. Yeah.
1: I was just going to say charming.
0: Yeah. Um, but one of the things I said to him was, is your masculinity so fragile that the suggestion that you could include... Diverse people in your games, like this, shocking and upsetting to you. Um, and he was like, "Oh wow, you just gendered me in your statement, didn't you?" And it was just this whole thing where he was like, he like kept making this joke, and it was like he made five comments, and like three of the comments were making the same joke over and over again. Yeah. Is that what you were gonna? Oh.
1: That was what I. That is what is what I was going to say. So continue.
0: Well, no, and I just... That's what I got for that. Um.
1: No, so what... So, honestly, I think that... Considering that it was the first... You know, probably one of the first times that that discussion had happened in that group, it probably went as well as it was going to in a community where, like, Gamergate happened, for instance... Yeah. where like you know there was just this upheaval of people who were like so against women being right. a part of the gaming community and so i think that these conversations just need to continue of you know queer folks trans folks you know gender non-binary folks you know all types of folks being involved in every community i you know it's It's discussions that, you know, white, cis, straight people need to be having. It's conversations that queer folks need to be having. It's... The the visibility is what's going to make it A thing.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And I think that really touches really well on the thing that we've talked about before and is the thing that kind of strikes me with these kinds of conversations, which is if you're part of a community and like a a generally supportive community, like D&D sessions can be a really formative, really communicative, like, experience for growth and fun and and therapy and relaxation and all these things. Um, But, you know, traditionally...
1: I think, that, I think that that's not always the way. I think that those ha- are uh, how our D&D sessions go. Yeah. I think that there are definitely communities within the D&D playing community where it's pretty, you know, pretty, not very inclusive, not very sensitive to women, because, um, like, we've come across like we've come across D&D games where there's like violence against women and yeah. so I think that um yeah I, I think that our D&D games are a good example of that but that's not speaking to the entire D&D community which is why these conversations need to be happening
0: well yeah and I think for me it's like Facebook groups can be these really communicative spaces and that's kind of or but I agree with you I completely agree with you um but I guess the other thing that I kind of am touching on with this is that if you're, if you're part of these communities, like it's really important to keep them accountable because I, I think we, we need to do that. I think that's what that's kind of a lot of conversations that are centering around is just this idea of... Um, there was someone that posted something about... Uh, someone posted that... Uh, maybe you've seen this meme. It's this thing like where it's like the candidate for the 2020 campaign is... And they list five things and one of them is like is not going to be ideologically perfect, uh, isn't going to get you excited, like, isn't going to, you're not going to completely agree with them, and yada, yada, yada. Um, And, like, that's a a fair thought, but I don't like leading with that, because I think what that really does is um, it doesn't allow for us to really get into the nuance of what is and isn't working in political discourse, because the fact of the matter is, like, yeah, like, of course... We all. I think most people that voted for Bernie, most people that wanted to vote third party, short of people that were too ideologically pure to not vote for Hillary, voted for Hillary. And I think that that is something that we really need to like accept and understand. And be and we can't like you can't be like oh if only the people that had voted for Jill Stein or Gary Johnson had voted for Hillary like we wouldn't have Trump as president. Because you're wrong, because those people would have never voted for Hillary, and that's the wrong way to think about it. Like, the, the things that are way more important is the fact that half the people didn't want to vote. Or, um, ha- like, so many people, we talked about this in the show with, on the 100th episode with Josh, that so many people were disenfranchised from voting because of voter suppression laws and things like that. And so, uh, that's kind of where I'm getting at with this, is we need to be taking these communities, we need to be taking these discussions, and have the nuance. And and um, pull, pick apart policy and figure out what it is specifically that is causing the major issues that we're having because usually they are these minor things like identity pol not not that identity politics is minor but they're but you know what I'm saying that like they're
1: yeah so of course identity politics aren't minor it's it's what we started this entire discussion you know this entire episode with um, it's it's one of the most as we've said a couple times one of the most important conversations that we need to be having. But my thoughts on that particular meme are that I think that it is a bad precedent to set that w- that the left should not be excited about the 2020 candidate because what the right is doing is making sure that its voter base is excited about their candidate. That is what, that is what got Donald Trump elected was people on the right getting excited And so for us to be, you know, dealing, you know, for us to be considering, you know, our candidate to be like conciliatory and like, you know, the lesser of two evils, we should be excited about our candidate. That's what gets people voting. That's again, that's what got Donald Trump elected was activating a part of the voter base on the right that wasn't voting before. It was, you know, finally people on the right who didn't see themselves in more moderate candidates saw themselves in Donald Trump. And that's what we need to be doing on the left is we need to find people to run for office that disenfranchised folks see can see themselves in you know we shouldn't be running these you know and i'm not one of the i'm not of the mindset that like you know the liberal elite is necessarily bad because like bernie sanders has become part of the leftist elite you know he's become high profile he's be. you know he has a large he has a large You know, group of support like Elizabeth Warren is part of the leftist elite. And these are all people who would be fantastic candidates for president. But what we need to be doing is exciting our voter base. We need to be exciting the left because that's what's going to get people to the polls. And so if we're just running, you know, and I honestly, and I know that there are people listening. Who were who were excited as for Hillary as a candidate but the fact is not everyone was you know the primaries were the the Democratic primaries were so divided there was so much discussion of like Hillary versus Bernie and I, I really think that it di- it divided the left and so you know we really we need to be, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm a broken record at this point, but we need to be excited about our candidate at the left. So saying that, we should just kind of blindly accept it and just begrudgingly go vote, is what got us into trouble in the first place. I completely
0: agree. I completely agree. And the, the other thing that I, I really want to touch on to really kind of um, piggyback on what you're talking about is one of the things that's going on um, on the left right now in Chicago is over this week um, they're having the Democratic Socialists of America convention in Chicago. And so I want to talk a little bit about the DSA because I think it's a really interesting uh, group. But I want to talk about it specifically in this conversation that we're having here um, because, because there was a, there's been a lot of, um, there's been a lot of, inside of the DSA, there's been a lot of, like, frankly, white, straight, cis, brochalists, uh, you know, kind of rearing their ugly faces in these kind of political discourses. And I think the thing is that uh, any socialist movement has to has to have has to go hand in hand with identity politics and the DSA specifically is the largest socialist organization in America um, and on top of that is founded on the idea of inclusivity the idea of bringing different perspectives into this discourse um, and I, I think that um, you know, one of the things that happened recently is there was a really great post in the, the dank meme stash, places of all places. But it wasn't specifically, that's what I like about the dank meme stash, is that it's not specifically always memes. I mean, there are memes, and it, it sometimes the memes are great, and sometimes they're brochelist, whatever. But there was a specifically a post that was talking about critiquing Hillary Clinton. And there's a difference between critiquing Hillary Clinton for being a war hawk, for not really being great on welfare, like not being great on workers, not being great for all of these really fantastic socialist leftist policies. And on top of that, she's not perfect on identity politics either. But the thing is, going from there to like critiquing her looks critiquing her as a woman, critiquing be critiquing for sexist reasons.
1: That shit drives me fucking insane. Yeah. And it hap- not only does it happen on the left, but it happens on the right. I don't give a sh- I don't give a shit what Melania wears. I don't give a shit what fucking Kelly Conway looks like she could she she could show up in a bat costume and I wouldn't I wouldn't care if she if she showed up in a bat costume and started saying that Planned Parenthood should you know is is an institution worth protecting I would be like yes bat costume forever like I don't I don't care what she, what she looks like. I care about the shit that comes out of her mouth. And I think that with Hillary Clinton, we it's the same thing. You know, people can people can knock her looks all day, but it doesn't matter what she looks like. It matters what she's saying. I agree.
0: I completely agree. So, yes, yeah, so, I mean, I think that it's really... That really piggybacks well off of this idea of... Sorry, sorry. Uh,
1: sorry. A, a thing that's been driving me nuts, actually, and, you know... People, I was like, oh, there's something recently that's been bothering me. What's driving me crazy recently is all of the fat shaming of Chris Christie. Because I disagree with Chris Christie's politics. I think that he is a bad person. <laughs> I think that he, I, I, you know, he, he's a, he, I do not think he should be in office. I think that there's, whatever. I don't care that he's fat. Yeah. And I think that people are using that as a distraction. They're turning him into a clown and not and not like someone to be taken seriously when he you know, New Jersey is a is an important state. They're a state with a lot of money, they're a state with a lot of power, and the governor of an important state like that does have power. And the fact that we're diminishing him to what he looks like. It's dangerous and it's distracting. And I and we need to cut it out. The left needs to cut it out. Because first of all, fat shaming is wrong. Fat shaming, fat shaming is wrong. I don't care how evil the person is. It's the same with Kelly Conway. I don't care that she's very, very thin or has a different looking face. Who cares? She's a bad person. She's rotten on the inside. Chris Christie is rotten on the inside. We need to be focusing on that because to normalize the shaming of people's appearance we're gonna start doing that to people who are doing good and we're gonna start diminishing people who are doing good based on what they look like we need to cut that shit out it drives me insane
0: yeah i completely agree and i think it like it like i think the theme of this little episode that we're doing is it's about if you people that you agree with on one thing, but disagree with on another thing, there should be no reason why you don't feel comfortable disagreeing with them on the one thing. I don't understand what it is, and and I feel like this is a very American thing. We were joking with your mom and um, her friend Betsy about this, about this idea that like...
1: Both, both of whom are donors to the show.
0: They're both great people, yeah. Um, and donors to the show. Um, but I think it's this a very American thing to... Um, to assume that other people don't know things or that it's, it's really hard to, like, I feel like it's a very American thing to, like, talk to other people in a way that makes them sound like they don't know what they're talking about. I mean, I know your mom specifically was talking about something that happened in Fairgrounds, right?
1: Yeah, she. Uh, my mom came and visited me, visited me at work, and I had her try something with turmeric in it, and I asked her if she liked turmeric, and she was like, oh, I guess I don't really know what it tastes like. And the woman in front of her line said, well, it's a spice, <coughs> which, like, yeah, but, but okay, Miss Spice Expert, describe its taste for my mom right Bur- now. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, and I, I think it's this idea, too, where I even think that maybe, I don't know this woman, I've, I wasn't there, I don't know, the, but I think it, it ties into this idea of, like, people uh, can be, especially Americans, like, think they're being helpful by being disparaging, and I don't think that that's fantastic, and I, and I think in a, in a weird way that's in the same vein of this idea of, like, when people disagree with you on a nuance of something you're talking about, they're not... They're not discrediting your entire point. Like, it's about refining it. It's about figuring out what's best. It's about, you know, when we're shopping for a Democratic Party party candidate, it's about making sure that that candidate is the, is the strongest candidate possible. It's about making sure that um, that person is representing the American persona or the American desire or what we want for our country in a way that really represents what the people actually want.
1: Yeah, genuinely, and I made this point earlier. That's what they did with Donald Trump. They heard what their constituents were saying. Donald Trump heard what was happening on the right. He had it. He had his finger to the pulse of what of what racists and xenophobes and hateful people wanted, and he is projecting that. He is giving the people what he wants, and if we. And if we bring forth a candidate that the left isn't, you know, strongly behind, it gives the right more fodder to say, like, oh, well, you know, the left can't even, you know, get a candidate that they're behind. Like, it's just another mouthpiece for the DNC, blah, blah, blah. Whereas, you know, if I were on the right and if I were in support of Donald Trump, I would be so happy with the Republican Party right now because they went with somebody outside of the party structure. They went with someone who the RNC didn't like. (laughs) And the the, the left, as the left looks right now, they will never do that. They didn't do it this time. They didn't do it with Bernie Sanders. The DNC did not like Bernie Sanders, and so they did not run him. The DNC loved Hillary Clinton, and they ran her, and it did not pan out. So, I I I think we need to take a lesson from the from the right and look outside of the party structure because it fucking worked. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, the other thing I, I I think we should probably do is just like general Chicago. Oh, there's like a storm coming. That's crazy. Um, general. Oh, it's like about to rain really bad. We're probably going to have to go in a minute because you're not going to be able to hear us. Um, keep an eye out for local Chicago art. I know that the Opera on Tap show, they're starting a new project up at Ig Noble, which is exciting for them because it's uh, it sounds like it's funded, which means they're going to be able to pay their singers to some extent. Um, so hopefully that's going to be going to the singers and to the labor, because that's really important that, you know, you're, you're contributing to your laborers, even in an artist sense. Um, yeah. Is there any other Chicago local art stuff that you that you're thinking of that we should talk about or just kind of like shout out?
1: Um, when are you posting this? Like right now?
0: I mean, if I can get it up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's probably gonna. I need to charge my MacBook, so it'll probably go up while we're recording the episode with Catherine Duffy.
1: Um, I, uh, I don't know. I, as soon as we're finished, I'm probably gonna be like, "Oh, damn! I should have plugged." Blah blah blah. But I can't think of anything right now. Um, yeah. I, I think
0: we're good. Cool. Well, thank you all so much for listening. I've been Daniel Johansson.
1: I continue to be Maureen Smith.
0: Uh, If you want to keep up with what we're up to, there's a lot of ways you can do that. You can head over to scopymag.com. That's our site. Uh, We have all of our articles there. We are looking for more writers right now. So if you have journalism experience, know how to write in AP style, and think you have a really good local arts story pitch, shoot us an email at scopymag at gmail.com. We're able to pay $20 per article for something like 800 to 1,000 words. So, yeah, let us know. That would be fantastic. Otherwise, you can keep up with us on social media on Facebook, Scopy Magazine, Instagram, and Twitter at, oh, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr at Scoppy Mag. That's S C A P I M A G.
1: And as always, I'm here to emphasize the importance of donations. We run on a shoestring budget, and everything that we've been able to do up until this point has been through the generosity of our donors. And you can be one of those donors, too. All you have to do is head to scopymag.com, head to our About section. And uh, you can become a monthly donor for as little as $5 a month, up to $100 a month if you are so inclined. Uh, Or you can do a one-time donation. Uh, We would love either, but it behooves you to become a monthly donor because we're starting to offer some fun incentives. Um, By the time you hear this, it will likely be August 1st so um we for the month of july and we're going to be doing more things like this in the future for the month of july if you would become a monthly donor um you would have been entered to win a copy of ross korean's the great god pan which is an opera that he had recorded through parma records um it'll be released on naxos which is very exciting um but and um anyone who became a monthly donor in the month of July, um, was entered into win a copy of that. Um, however, we do have a thing going where our next donor, our next donor will receive a gift card for a month of free yoga from B Yoga Andersonville. Um, I cannot think of a better deal than that. Five dollars yeah. a month to win a month of free yoga. Um, so, you know get in there now
0: <laughs> yeah and i think we can extend the ross korean recording if you can get that in before august 1st midnight if you can become a donor before then we'll, we'll include you in that um otherwise that's pretty that's the deadline i think
1: yeah i agree with that um so yeah i um i i had a revelation earlier that we should probably keep the donation spiel shorter just because it's annoying um but it just it means a lot to us if you're able to give then you should if you're not able to that's fine too but give a little give a lot and if you can't give then you should listen you should participate and you should share
0: cool thanks again so much for listening go out and make something
1: yep